0: Michigan appears to be keying in on one candidate which has been giving something of an uproar. I don't want to say uproar. Mixed reviews at defensive coordinator. But I think it's a, just about a perfect fit. We'll get into why and also why it is absolutely key that Michigan does not go away from the brand it has built. That means the system needs to stay the same on both sides of the ball. We'll discuss all of that. On this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines. Your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. We're back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground. Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. This is going to be one of two uh, when I say live shows, I mean episodes that go up relatively quickly the same day uh, uh, this week because I will be out of town. You will see me wearing this exact outfit in several other episodes, maybe all the other ones Wednesday through Friday because we're just going to record everything right now. But anyway, um, getting this one out now because I don't want it to be obsolete. I mean, could be obsolete by the time that we uh, end recording. You never know. But uh, nonetheless, there are reports, multiple reports. I believe it started with Sam Webb and then continued in with uh, some, uh, I can't remember his name, something Jones uh, from NFL on CBS, who's their insider there, that uh, Michigan is one of uh, three programs, the only college one, that seems to be targeting Joe Cullen, the defensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, as the next defensive coordinator. And there's been a lot of kind of mixed reviews that I've seen online, whether it's on the message boards or Twitter or whatever, uh, that it just seem to have a bunch of different feel uh, on what uh, what bringing in Colin would mean. And most of the apprehension comes from the fact that 18 years ago when he was with the Detroit Lions, I remember where I was when I heard this. I remember I was still a student at Michigan and I was sitting in the uh, Modern Languages building and... uh one of the small auditoriums in between the two big auditoriums. It was in a uh, certainly a uh, film theory class, critical film theory class, and uh, the uh, he had driven naked, drunk through the drive through at a Wendy's. But I think people are overthinking it, right? Because yes, 18 years ago, his life was not going great, but he has been 18 years sober since. And obviously has worked several high-end NFL jobs throughout his career. Uh, at that time, when he was with the Detroit Lions, he was coming off of uh, being a uh, defensive line. Or sorry, defensive coordinator for the Indiana Hoosiers under Jerry Donardo. and then he was with the Lions and he, under Rod Marinelli. We all know how poorly that tenure went. Uh, but nonetheless, it ended up. Uh, he ended up kind of salvaging his career, rebounding and thriving. Uh, Hence, he is the defensive line coach for a Super Bowl contender, uh, not contender, really Super Bowl team, and is uh, also under high consideration for defensive coordinator for both the Seattle Seahawks and Washington Commanders. So uh, with that said, I I just I think that the people that are sitting there saying, well, he's going to be negative recruited against all of that kind of stuff. I think that would honestly look worse for anyone to try to bring that up. Right? Like, Hey, before your child was born, he had some personal troubles and he has overcome it. Right? Like anyone goes into a living room and says, you don't want to play for that guy. Look at what he did 18 years ago. Michigan can just just as easily, or even the parents will see through it and say, you know what? Like he's overcome that. And he's a heck of a lot better for it. And he's coached in Super Bowl and all of that stuff. So, uh, Obviously he's good enough for the NFL should be good enough for college. It kind of goes back to the things that I've said before about that whole kind of weirdness of like a guy can be good enough to be an NFL head coach, but not good enough to be a, even a position coach at times at Michigan. So I think you should get over that type of thinking. Cause I think the most important thing about uh, Joe Cullen is that he has the experience of working under John Harbaugh under Wink Martindale. He was, with the Ravens from 2016 to 2020, which means he had the same overlap as Jesse Minter and Mike McDonald, both left after 2020. So, if you're not going to be able to get Wink Martindale himself, which does not necessarily feel like that's uh, that's a likelihood, right? Um, plus, he's a tempestuous type of guy, and I understand that he might just be yet another one-year rental, but maybe two-year rental. The the whole thing, though, with a guy bringing in a guy like Joe Collins, it keeps the stability the same scheme, all the things that you want, and then you've got to start trying to figure out what is your next step as far as who's being groomed. Because at least on offense, we knew who was being groomed, right? Sheryl Moore was being groomed for the head coach. Grant Newsom was being groomed uh, while well, at tight ends for offensive line. You need to be able to set up that same system uh, on, the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I think that the most important thing is being able to maintain the same system, continue to do the same things that you've done, that the reasons why you've had success the last couple of years. And we're going to get into all of that here in a moment. But uh, I just think like, yes, you look at Joe Cohen, he's got an impressive resume. Let's actually, I didn't pull it up uh, because I just had not really think of it here. But uh, we, and and again, they have to compete against two NFL teams. So it's just going to, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going to go into whether or not you're able to get him. You might not end you might not end up getting him, and there's still going to be other options that they're going to look for. But he's uh, he started as a running backs coach at, at UMass, uh, then switched over the next year to defensive line coach. He went to UMass, uh, then was the defensive line coach, then defensive coordinator at Richmond, defensive line coach uh, at LSU, went back to be the defensive line co- uh, sorry defensive coordinator at Richmond. A defensive line coach at Memphis, Indiana became the defensive coordinator at Indiana, uh, was an, an, uh, a defensive assistant with Illinois, then the Detroit Lions, uh, then Idaho State, then Jacksonville Jaguars, all defensive line coach, Cleveland Browns, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baltimore Ravens for five seasons, defensive coordinator under Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the last two years he's been the defensive line coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll see what happens, but like, don't write off a perfectly good coach because he had some issues eighteen years ago. I think that that is short sighted and it lacks forgiveness, you know uh it, if it still was an issue, he wouldn't have as sterling of a uh, track record and be highly sought after in the n f l the way he is, right? especially that's kind of goes into that don't don't be too snobby <laughs> about. NFL people coming. And I understand maybe he doesn't bring the strongest recruiting game. That's fine as long as everyone else does. Okay? That you have a difference in Sharon Moore in that he is a voracious recruiter. The head coach is now a voracious recruiter. That was not the case with Jim Harbaugh. So, but like I said earlier, the most important thing is keeping the scheme intact. Why is that? We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But before we do, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools that help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It is like dipping into your own personal transfer portal to help your business win a national championship. LinkedIn is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is super easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Here's the thing. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they might not have time or resources to hire. And that's why they're doing a whole bunch of stuff like finding ways to make the process easier. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions. That's how great LinkedIn Jobs is. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so I am personally counting down the days to a, a quasi-vacation. There will still be work done, I'm sure, because there's things to be done. I can't, like, if there's coaches hired... Uh, maybe I don't get to it very fast, but, uh, writing it will happen. It's the, the talking about it here on the show that won't happen until next week. Cause I ain't, I ain't going to have a camera with me or a microphone. I'm going to be out doing things, uh, for two days at Disney, one day out and about in Orlando or two days out and about in Orlando, whatever. Um, so, uh, well needed break with some sunshine specifically for Sarah, who absolutely needs that, Uh, needs to not see the gray skies. So anyway, um, excited about that, but uh, also excited about the way things are coming together. It might not be overwhelming uh, in the same way that uh, bringing in Jim Harbaugh was, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Might not be, you know, building a dream team. This is kind of the... And I know, like again, people want it to be the dream team. I I think that when you have people that know what the culture is, know what the schemes are, and know what Michigan is all about because they've been there, that is important. That's more important in a lot of ways than uh, going out and getting a name. We've seen what going out and getting the the hot name looks like in 2008 when Michigan hired Rich Rodriguez. He was the hottest uh, coaching candidate out there. Turned down Alabama the year before. And when Michigan got him, lured him away from his alma mater, West Virginia, it was a coup. And he brought in all kinds of guys, and you looked at it and you said, Oh, that's just great. And then it didn't work out. That's just generally like people kind of sometimes overrate or underrate a lot of coaching hires. You just kind of have to see them work. Cause even when you have success, except for the head coach, the head coach is important. Uh, but yeah, again, Sharon was groomed for this. He went through the, uh, he w- went through an audition process through interim head coach that, really made him the right choice. And I know a lot of other people say, oh, Michigan, first-time head coach. Listen, Ryan Day was a first-time head coach. And I know a lot of people here don't <laughs> like or respect Ryan Day, but aside from his losses to Michigan and then the disaster against uh, Missouri in the bowl game, I mean, he barely loses. I understand, got a lot of great talent there, but and he was born on third base, uh, thinks he hit a home run or hit a triple and then what all of that stuff. But at the same time, he continued uh, a lot of the excellence of Ohio State. He just ran into a Michigan problem for the most part, a toughness problem. So, still a good head coach, just maybe not a good head coach for Ohio State. Right? Like I have no doubt that if he went somewhere else, he would. If he went to Texas A and M this offseason, I think that they would be better because of it. Um, not a popular sentiment, I'm sure, with you but it's still, I I believe, the truth. Now, you you see this more and more. You see it in the NFL all the time, right? Like, the hot hires were, are these younger coordinator types, Mike McDonald getting the Seahawks job, uh, really ever since the Sean McVay, right? Like, it's kinda gone away from this idea of uh, having the older, more established head coach that's really gone out there and won. I mean, the Cowboys have uh, Mike McCarthy, and how's that worked out, right? It's continued to be the same deal for the Cowboys, where they either barely make the playoffs and then lose, or don't make the playoffs, right? So it's uh, it's the same deal as it is here, right? It's if you have a young sharp mind that knows football and can run a program like Sharon has, that's important, but. When you, when you move to looking very more specifically at each side of the ball, obviously the offensive uh, strategy is going to remain the same because Moore was the offensive coordinator each of the last two years, co-offensive coordinator uh, the, the year before. And, uh, so, and he's been around the program for, since 2018. He knows exactly how it is supposed to be run when it works. He also has seen what it looks like when it doesn't. So he knows what works. Now he's just got to implement it and, you know, be himself, right? He's been a popular coach in the locker room and there's no reason for that to uh, not continue. But when it comes to offense and defense, that to me is, it's important that you have a brand and at this moment, Michigan has one, you know, you're going to get toughness on those lines. You come to Michigan because you're going to be tough on the lines. And while you would like to see the skill positions maybe pick up a little bit, wide receiver, not quite as impressive as you would hope. Obviously, they, they want to get a really good running back, and they want to get a quarterback that can. And if J.J. McCarthy goes in the first round, you can sit there and pitch. like You can be a quarterback, not necessarily put a lot of wear and tear, and still be a first-rounder in our system. That That's a huge sell. Uh, but uh, then you look to the other side of the ball, and what that is kind of built off of—it's you know three three full levels, right? And I know that that's a whole thing, but it's not necessarily contingent on getting that five-star talent. Now they do have a five-star and Will Johnson out there, but it's not contingent on five-star talent. It's obviously got a lot of four stars and sprinkle in some three stars, and it works. But uh, being able to keep the same scheme why is that so important rather than going out and getting a Jim Leonard going out and getting uh, a, a DeAnton Lynn or someone else that maybe comes in is a hot shot type uh, when it comes to what we've seen them do in the past, but is running a different scheme. Well, changing schemes every few years is fine when you're <laughs> searching. Michigan isn't searching anymore. It just won a national championship. It, it, it went and showed you with, with, Players who have bought in with three star types, and we're gonna get to some of the underrated. uh, You'll see an article come up sometime this week. I don't remember what day I posted about the most underrated Wolverines, uh, considering recruiting ranking and what they ended up being. Guys like Mikey still, Quiddy Pay. I mean, Quiddy Pay was before this time, but you know, like they've had success in developing. But then you see Mikey still, Mike Barrett, guys who were three stars, ones that if they, you know, when they committed. People were a little bit more excited about Mike Barrett just because, you know, I think it was kind of the, hey, we didn't get Vic Vieramontes like he, we were supposed to, but, uh, you know, he could be a weapon one way or the other. Uh, but you look at uh, Mikey Samer still. When he flipped from Virginia Tech, no one really cared and uh, it wasn't quite as uh, ballyhooed uh, or gone against as in the same way as, say, like Ronnie Bell. But it, it's still having a player come in and be, be an impact player as a three-star, it doesn't just speak to the player. It does speak to the player, but it speaks to the system and the player working together. And when you look at programs that tend to have a lot of success, it's because you can look at their brand and you know what you're getting. It's not like these wholesale changes. Now, sometimes you see it but usually when you see it, it's because that team is floundering. It's not able to get there. You don't see change for the sake of change, even when, there is a, uh, when there's some kind of upheaval, a head coach leaving or whatever. Um, and actually, I began this with Ryan Day. Let's end this part with Ryan Day, and I'll continue to explain my rationale uh, on the, in the next uh, segment. But uh, Ryan Day, for all of the lauding I just gave him at the beginning here, He changed a lot of the fundamentals that Urban Meyer set up, right? Because what was Ohio State under Urban Meyer? Yes, it did end up being this aerial attack and everything when he brought in Ryan Day as the offensive coordinator. But really before that, what it was, was a more of a, we have toughness on both our offensive and defensive line, and then we have elite skill players, and we have usually a mobile quarterback. And once Ryan Day took over... He stopped with that toughness. It was more about, you know, basketball on grass. Let's get the, the best wide receivers we possibly can. And, and let's just air it out. Let's just be able to, to just overpower people with our passing game for the most part and have a good enough running game against most teams that it's uh, – that with the running back that can kind of do it on, on their own, that it just doesn't really matter, right, what you do against us. And then suddenly, you know, styles make fights. Michigan has a fight, and Ryan Day, who has changed Ohio State from what Urban Meyer's blueprint was, suddenly can't get past a team like Michigan and does not seem to have learned that lesson, not stocking up in the the transfer portal on linemen. So uh, be careful what you wish for in that uh, because when you change things, it can certainly have a deleterious effect. I think I used that correctly. Maybe I didn't. Uh, but let's get more into why it is important for Michigan to to maintain it. and I'm, I've, I've got the Sterling program to kind of highlight exactly why this is important. We're going to get to that here in just a moment. But before we do, listen, happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, well, this year it's going to be about traveling, but usually it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks. And placing some super bets, there are a lot of parlays that you are going to want to take advantage of because you know that there's going to be some high-end targets, whether it's Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco, uh, whether it's uh, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, you're going to want to take all these guys and there's the best place you can do it is at FanDuel because they've got so many ways for you to end the season with a W, two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win at Super Bowl 58, but Bandu also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, all kinds of wonderful parlays that I highly, highly recommend. So new customers, you can join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So do that before the Super Bowl. You know, bet Michigan first half w- winner against Wisconsin, get all overall game loser. That's usually a pretty big win. Uh, so, just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Fanduel, make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports book of the NFL. All right, so it's a bad sign that i didn't i haven't slept well either the last two nights. It's a bad sign that i feel like i'm fading in one of four episodes i'm recording today. Um so friday's episode might just be uh <laughs> no, it'll be good. It'll be good. We're we're perking up. Probably could use a caffeine drink, but uh we're, yeah, maybe we'll do that in in the next episode. That's probably a wise choice. Uh anyway, uh so let's uh l- let's look at one program. Where Well, let's look first at a couple different programs, but let's look at one program that is certainly overachieved given the talent it's had and why having a brand is more important than chasing, right? Michigan chased under Jim Harbaugh. We saw, you know, obviously some of it wasn't his fault, but when DJ Durkin left, went and got Don Brown, who was the best defensive coordinator in the country at the time and uh, continued to be that for uh, three years and 11 games, (laughs) pretty much. And then um for two years in 11 games. And then uh, things started to slowly fall apart in the next year and then fell apart and then started to chase, but then got the right formula. Uh, but when you look at uh, sometimes change is smart, right? Alabama has changed over the course of Nick Saban's career, uh, but it had kind of a similar uh, strategy as to what Michigan has, right? Like just a solid defense uh, on one side and uh, a, physical bruising offense predicated on the run game uh when the sec kind of changed they they also were smart and uh and kind of mixed things up still had the running back still had the the great offensive line but also added in uh, more of a passing game georgia's same deal right georgia's physicality up front both sides and uh not necessarily going to air it out right but it didn't work with the uh, it, with the JT Daniels, per se, it didn't work with some of those guys that they had uh, until Stetson Bennett really kind of elevated things. But uh, generally, you know what that you're getting with them, right? Um, that's tended to be the case, is the teams that win the most are ones that you know exactly what they are, even if they don't win at all, right? Oklahoma, for uh, under both Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, you knew that they were going to have a dynamic quarterback and a really good running back. And kind of a questionable defense. You know, like you knew what you were getting. But there is one team that kind of tells you uh, that regardless of the talent you bring in, you know it's going to be good, at least on one side of the ball, because the brand is that strong, and that's Iowa. Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator there, he's got a system. It doesn't really matter if you fill it with three stars, and most of the time it is. Every now and again, he gets a five-star, like A.J. Ipanisa. Uh, Sometimes he gets a a guy who certainly... uh, it ends up being one of the best in the country at his position, whether it's Cooper DeJean this last uh, couple of years uh, at defensive back, Jack Campbell uh, at linebacker. But generally you just know it doesn't really matter if they, if they have all two stars, you know that they're going to usually going to be able to get you into a fight one way or the other offense. It's got a bad, it's got a brand, but it's not a good one that they're obviously trying to change, but you know exactly what it is. It's when you start like mixing things up constantly is where you start to find yourself waffling, right? And Michigan is not immune to that, right? It did that in the post Lloyd Carr era. Now, they had issues, obviously, not being able to kind of get everything together. Things weren't fully working. They were not beating Ohio State in the last uh, four years of the Lloyd Carr era. Uh, but, it, you know, before that, things were good. So that's when you change, is when things aren't good. Uh, but when things are good, you just saw Michigan go out and win a national championship with the, the, exact system working on both sides of the ball so regardless of jim harbaugh not being there you need to keep doing what you're doing for the most part until it doesn't work now you might tweak something based off of personnel right like if if the offensive line is better at pass blocking than run blocking maybe and you have a quarterback who can throw and receivers who can catch then yeah you may maybe you you switch that 60 40 over to the pass side and then the run game takes a little bit uh, less, right? But you, you do it based off of personnel uh, and you try not to change the overall identity of, of what you're trying to do. Now, I still think that Michigan's going to try to run and pound the rock because that's just what it's been built to do. But nonetheless, I just, it's, it, you don't change for the sake of change. So that, all of that to say, go and find someone who can run this defense. Okay. That's the most important thing right now because you change it you risk the possibility of taking a big step back now or maybe it's maybe it's fine but i think the continuity because you've seen how the players react when they've been in the system for a few years suddenly that's why you see a guy like mike barrett take a big step forward right after he just kind of languished because he went and had a couple different defensive coordinators a couple different defensive schemes uh and then suddenly once he he's smart and you know he's smart but like once he's smart enough to like everything clicks the dots start to connect that's when you can play fast and that's when you can take that big step forward especially with a complex scheme like what Michigan's run. So that's the thing. All right we are going to do the I decided I had said Wednesday. We're doing the mailbag tomorrow. That's our only other live show. Uh stay tuned to uh Wednesday Thursday Friday where we are doing Listapalooza uh some of them uh, a lot of these will be uh coming out before the list comes out uh to some degree so we'll get to those anyway thanks for watching thank you for listening we will talk to you again soon peace